It is the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Touchdown! I'm convinced we actually scored on that one. Madden 04, Mike Vick. You remember that? I don't. However... And I don't know if it was Vick on the cover. I just mean because Vick is very famous for dominating that year. Generally speaking, was overpowered in the old Madden video games. Welcome to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. That's right. It's the weekend mailbag. There's a little dog that has some questions at Joe's house. He just got a puppy not too long ago. It doesn't last long. She's trying to get the cat. I'm sure of it. Yeah, but here my wife's getting her now. Sounds like like she had some success. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Abco Safety and Blue Chew. For more information about our fantastic sponsors, including discount codes or free trials, Wait around for our commercial breaks for more information. Joe, let's jump into questions. Are we starting at the top or the bottom today? Start at the top. All right. Our first question comes from Mother Soul 05. We haven't beat Pittsburgh since 2015. I refuse to watch those games anymore. Will we get a win against them this year? Jake, I don't know if we had them beating Pittsburgh in either of those games. Uh, The one was Monday night at Pittsburgh, so I don't feel like that's going to be the one. If it is the one, we can get real excited about the season real quickly. Um, So later in the year in Cincinnati, I guess, yeah, that's the chance. How good is Pittsburgh at that time? Where are the Bengals at at that time? The season can go a lot of different ways. Uh, that, That does seem to be the test, though, right? Can they beat the Steelers? Well, the thing is, I don't think Pittsburgh is all that good. And I think later in the year, if the Bengals are going to be a better than six and a half win team like Mike Renner thinks they can and Brandon Thorne thinks they can't, that means that things are starting to come together at that point or have come together at that point because the Pittsburgh home game is late in the year. So if they're going to beat Pittsburgh, it will be, all right, we've got Marvin Lewis out of here. Maybe we've got, you know, we've got Vontez Perfect out of here. Antonio Brown's gone. Le'Veon Bell's gone. All of the real sources of animosity in that rivalry are gone, except Joey Porter and Ben Roethlisberger, who, I mean, on the field, I don't, Ben's Ben, he's a quarterback on the field, off the field, you can have your reasons. Mm -hmm. All those things are gone, all the distractions are gone, perhaps, to some degree anyway, maybe they can focus, bear down, and, and get a win at home late in the year. I still want someone to lay a hit on Juju, is that wrong? No. Cause, cause he's, and here's the reason I don't wish injury upon Juju Smith-Schuster. No, I'm not just, saying that. He just needs to learn a lesson. He's celebrating scripted touchdown choreography with his teammates of Bengals player injuries, etc. Right. And, and, and nobody, nobody punishes this year. And this, this drives all Bengals cr- fans crazy is the fact that Pittsburgh Steelers players just don't seem to have any repercussions for their actions going back to, Vince oh, Williams on Twitter, and, and it goes on and on and on. And and there are all these rule changes for Pittsburgh, but there's never action taken against them in the in the form of fine suspensions. Although, if you look back the last few years, I had this conversation with Robert Klemko. Robert Klemko went on a big rant against Marvin Lewis's Bengals, talking about how they're the least, least disciplined team in the league, highest penalized in terms of fines, uh, suspensions, and all this stuff. And my argument against him was, really, that's mostly perfect. And let's look at other teams as well. Because even with perfect in the pitch picture, Pittsburgh has been pretty comparable to the Bengals. Yep. who are probably closer to average than anything else. Klemko said he'd go back and revisit it because I think he, he might have even written a piece. I don't remember. And, yeah, and I, never, I thought so. I, I, I asked him like three or four times after he said, I'm going to go back and reevaluate. And he never actually followed through. So 
never got to see the results of the follow-up analysis, but from what I saw, which was using the fines and suspensions reported on, I don't remember if it was sport track or something else. It's very close for those two teams in terms of penalties and whatnot. And so when you look at the, the scrutiny that the national media holds the Bengals to versus the Steelers, it's an easy pain point for Bengals fans. Yep. And I have nothing more to say to that. I hope they do beat them. I hope they beat them all the time and, and consistently and in a physical and convincing way every time. Uh, next question is from Jeff Carr, our man Jeff Carr from the Locked On Reds podcast. You guys should check that out. Actually, a lot of people are checking that out. There. The number a, one MLB yeah. podcast on the Locked On Network. Way to go, Jeff. Yep. So you guys should also listen if you're not. And Jeff asks, Heard a national pundit say that Alex Erickson is going to be a huge player in this offense. Do you agree? And how will they go about executing? And this was Michael Lombardi, and I can't remember what podcast he was on. But uh, he said the Bengals fielded trade offers or refused to field trade offers mm-hmm. for Alex Erickson, even though teams called. And I think Lombardi went to go on and say he could be their Cooper Cup. Yeah, and I, I remember tweeting about this yesterday saying that it's wild to compare Alex Erickson to Cooper Cup. I, I think that's... Uh, a leap too far. I think Erickson is easily one of the best kickoff returners in the NFL. Now the importance of a kickoff returner is maybe diminished because there, there aren't kickoff returns in the NFL anymore. Although the Patriots did go out and spend resources on Cordero Patterson, who wins in a different way than Erickson. Although Erickson was, I think the fastest clocked next gen stats player on the Bengals last year. Is that, am I, yeah, am I remembering yeah. that correctly? No, you're, I think you're right. He had a long kickoff that was a uh, 20 something miles per hour or whatever. Yeah. So Erickson is a very, very valuable kickoff returner in the world where he does actually bring the kicks out of the end zone. That world is shrinking. He's not a very good punt returner. He's a very good, I think fifth receiver, fourth receiver on your team. He can step into the slot. He's reliable. He's, going to catch the passes you throw to him. He's pretty good after the catch. Will he be a huge player in the offense? I, I don't see it. He's still the fourth receiver, fifth if you count if you count Eifert, and if you count uh, Mixon and Geo, I think sure. he, he's further down the pecking order still. Yeah. Can, can he be a contributor? Sure, I think he fits into the offense and what Zach Taylor wants to do. Can he be a huge player? I, I don't, I mean, he's still the fourth guy in the on the roster for a reason. Yeah, and I wonder how many people would be surprised to know that Alex Erickson actually has a higher cap hit this year than Tyler Boyd. Uh, 1.7 million. I think Boyd's 1.2 million, uh, which is interesting that they extended him last year. And so it means they value him. He's not getting paid a crazy amount of money for being on his second contract already as an undrafted guy, but he is being paid like the fourth receiver and like their main return man. And that's okay. And I think, Erickson is fine. And I I had a lot of discussion on Twitter about this because I did start to think maybe Ross doesn't have a secured number three role on this roster. And we've talked a lot about how uh, this offense could feature everyone in the slot, really. And that would help Alex Erickson get open. He averaged 8.4 yards per catch last year after um, a much better year the previous year. I mean, 8.4 is a disaster in terms of a receiver. So, uh, putting him on the outside and replacing those guys was not where he's going to win. And I think if you get everyone in the slot, he could fit this Rams offense very well. I, I just don't think there's a bigger conversation here. And it's one of when I say Ross, John Ross is a better receiver than, than Alex Erickson. I don't actually believe he is better in the traditional terms right now, but I do believe he is a more of a weapon, more impactful to the receivers uh, that surround him, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, and more um, of a concern for defenses than Al Erickson would be. So does that make him a better player to have on your offense out on the field? Yes, it does. In my opinion, I think better gets misconstrued a lot. And I, I'm at fault for that because sometimes I'll just say, Oh, this guy's better without explaining. And that this is me trying to explain that. I think Ross is still the better guy to have out on the field. Having said that, I like Erickson. And if he's the fourth guy, I've got no problem with that. Yeah. It's an excellent fourth guy. We have two questions here from Dustin walls, my guy, dusty balls. 08, And I say my guy, because he supported my, Captain America tirade. One of one of the few that voiced their support for my distaste oh, for know. the captain. I didn't know Dustin over here lived in Canada. That's crazy. 
This isn't a Canada thing, Joe. Captain oh, America okay. stands for everything that is idealized and prop- propagandized about the United States of America. Dusty asks, if you could only attend one game this upcoming year, would you rather go to one they're favored to win, or would you rather see them against a tough opponent or division rival? Favored. I don't want to go. I, it's a lot of money, first of all. I don't know. Even if you live in Cincinnati, it's a lot of money, even though we, when we went over the schedule. The Bengals have some very cheap ticket prices, but still. You're probably buying for multiple people. Now, if you're going with friends, buying one ticket for $31 to see the Cardinals, well, okay, I think we can all swing that. But for someone like me, if I, I, I mean, we're talking travel, uh, hotel. I, if I stay, there's been times I've tried to do it all in one day, and that can be uh, fun. Uh, that's not really fun, but you know what I'm saying. Anyways, I want to know I'm going for a win. Now, yeah. if it was like, See, as I'm saying this, though, I'm thinking, now, what if you had had the Seahawks or the Patriots or Packers in those those good years, right? And they're early in the season where the Bengals seem to pull off those upsets, and they win those games, and you're there for one of those. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be one of the games you remember forever. So I guess uh, you roll the dice, and you take what you get and hope for something memorable. I would like to, out of the games this year, we, we just went through the schedule before the podcast because a few people have asked us, will we be at any games this year? One person even, I think, offered to get us ticket or get us a hotel in Miami. That's right. Yes, we did have that offer. So so maybe we'll go to Miami later this year if I, if if we can figure out the travel, but um for me the Cincinnati game that I would want to go to and I mean in Cincinnati would be Arizona because I I would love to see what that Arizona team is going to look like. I think that the Bengals have a good chance of winning it. It's early in the year before it's too cold and Joe one thing to consider if we go to a game together is I'm sure my parents would be happy to put you up. Oh, Mom and really? Dad, I know you're listening. I hope that'd be okay with you. I am very polite and respectful to other people's homes. So, yes, I would take that. I think we have the extra space. Uh, yeah. Ready so for the next one? Arizona for me. Next question. Let's go. It's from Dusty Balls again. And uh, he's going back on your Marvel thing here. He says, I think Joe said his favorite Marvel Universe character is Spider-Man. And that is correct. Um, he says he doesn't recall Jake saying who his is. So, Jake, who is your favorite Marvel character and why? So, there are so many choices for this that it's hard. And I'm I'm a movie guy and, and some cartoons, but I didn't really read a bunch of comics. Every time I tried to read a comic when I was a kid, and I think I said this on our previous podcast, I just ended up bored because if you pick up a random comic at the airport before you're about to get on a plane, if it's in the middle of a story, you have no idea what's going on. It's like, okay... And it's like 10 pages of, of you know, 100 words total. <laughs> yeah, it's like this This wasn't very exciting. So so I never got into the comics as a kid. So based on the movies, immediately the character that jumped into my mind, and this is this is like the off-the-cuff answer, not necessarily if I sat down and really thought about it, but Shuri, who, if you don't know, is the sister of T'Challa. T'Challa? T'Challa. I think the Black Panther. And her depiction in the movies, I thought, she's brilliant. She's a talented fighter. She's, you know, next in line, right, as the yeah. as the sister. And since you don't Black read the Panther. comics, there is a uh, time period where she takes over the mantle for the Black Panther while T'Challa's out. Which is dope. And and obviously, what what's that? Wakanda is like the super technologically advanced society, and she's at the center of all of it. So yeah. she's, she's this mastermind, brilliant, brilliant human being. Is she human? She's human, right? And, she is human. <laughs> well, you never know in the Marvel universe. I know. I know. <laughs> so, so that that's who it is for me. And you could you could go through some of the tangential characters, or maybe I shouldn't say tangential, but not not the franchise characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy. I yeah. really like a lot of those characters too. Your your favorite is Groot for all the dialogue, I'm sure. Oh man, Groot is an expert linguist. But besides that, though, tell me you didn't feel sad when adult Groot pulls everyone in and says, we are Groot, and sacrifices himself at the end of the first oh, one. I mean, geez, this guy, he says three words, and he's a talking tree, and I wanted to cry. It's, it's Vin Diesel as Groot, right? That's true. Yeah, that is. Vin Diesel has nailed Groot. <laughs> he has <laughs> nailed Groot. He even does the, the kid Groot, and they just, like, tweak his voice. Vin Diesel will forever be a Marvel Get it? Marvel? <laughs> uh, oh, we're going to take a that. break, but before we do, we have another shout-out to our excellent sponsor, Abco Safety, based out of Cincinnati. Safety and industrial distributor. We've mentioned 
their product lines many times from protective gloves to steel toe boots to fall protection. They have anything you could possibly need to make your workplace a safe environment and they'll help you coordinate your safety program and budget. They are confident they'll get you the best deal possible on the safety needs of your organization. And on top of all of that, you'll get 15% off if you call 513-672-1818 and mention Locked On Abco for your first order. And remember, it's not just for your workplace either. You know what I've been wearing lately, Jake, as I'm going out? Um, safety glasses when I use the weed whacker in the lawn because I hit a couple rocks in your face, do that a couple times, and you go, you know what? I actually want to keep my vision. So I, I get them at work. So I, I threw a pair on. And if you can get, they have them on here too. Uh, the yellow ones that really highlight and, and are almost high definition. You're looking through those. That's what I wear. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. Well, go check out Abco Safety. You can get their whole inventory at abcosafety.com. You get the discount when you call. That's 513-672-1818. Mention Locked On Abco. Get your discount. Get yourself safe. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It is the weekend mailbag. Uh, we've got a lot of questions to go, Jake. What's the next one? Caleb, OSU Bengals asks, seems like the Patriots usually have 17 running backs on their roster, which is impressive because rosters, of course, only hold 53 people. Could our double dip in the six mean we try using some similar schemes to find mismatches, or are they simply trying to improve the chances of one of the guys hit? I think both could be right. Uh, you want to have, I honestly, the Patriots will dip into all four running backs that are active on the roster, right? And they find out which roles they are successful in and they use it accordingly. Sounds like voodoo to us as, as we watch other Bengals have used their running backs uh, in the last, what, since, since Rudy Johnson and Chris Perry, honestly, they knew how to use those guys into their strengths. After that, it's been a mismatch of, of understanding. And uh, so if they, I think that is a key to this Bengals offense in 2019, knowing what you have in Joe Mixon, figuring out how to get him and Giovanni Bernard on the field together or use them correctly and, and enough, right? Because we want we want both those guys to touch the ball. But then if you have to dip into Travion Williams or Rodney Anderson, two sixth-round picks, guys that honestly I really like on film, they look good. And if Rodney Anderson's healthy, you, you might get a steal with that pick. So all in all, I do think, yes, maybe they're trying to – make this room not just top heavy, but uh, where you can dip into that third and fourth running back. Let's face it. They really haven't been able to uh, last year when it was Mark Walton. And now I can't even remember who the fourth guy was. Do you remember? Was it Trey Carson? Uh, anyways, they, they've, they weren't able to do it. They weren't able to go into that, that deep uh, in the room. So now they can, or at least they feel they they should be able to six round picks. Don't even have to make the roster. So who, who, what do we really know? But I did like both guys. So I, I did think it was a wise, uh, uh, use of resources. Yeah, I think in the sixth round, taking two running backs is never going to draw a complaint from this podcast unless they yep. do it every year, in which case right. I think that's probably <laughs> too many running backs. Um, we talked about it, though, and, and, and the really interesting thing that Mike said the other day when I asked him about the whole mismatch of PFF board versus NFL board, NFL teams only put X players on the board. Say it's 150. When yep. you get to the sixth round, you're usually gra- you're often drafting guys, I should say, that are you know fourth, sometimes third round grades for you, and so or you end up priority free agents, or that and you're trying to make sure you, you you collect them, you know. But maybe they just have higher grades on these running backs. I wouldn't surprise me at all with the Williams, uh, yep. Jim Turner connection, and Rodney Anderson is a is a huge lottery ticket if he's healthy and he's recovered from admittedly to substantial leg injuries he looks like joe mixon in a lot of ways and he's from the same school so we shouldn't be surprised right i I think the rodney anderson thing could end up being a huge hit for them as a day three pick yeah and and i think with jim turner he had great production out of running backs we'll we'll praise jim turner here for a minute great production out of running backs at a&m i i would say and zach taylor comes from a world where he the, the Rams did throw to their running backs quite a bit. So maybe they yeah. do figure out how to use Mixon, Anderson, Williams, and that would be Jim Turner's responsibility. And the Zach Taylor-led offense, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan-led offense, figures out how to use Geo a little bit better, maybe finds ways to throw the ball to Mixon a little bit more. 
Right. That would be ideal. And so, the offense would take another step, right? Yeah. So I agree with Joe. It's both. Yeah. And that's okay to, to be to be both there. Nick Green as our next question. Nick and Green 796. And I, I think this is more of a suggestion and a question at the same time, but we like it. And he asks, is there a lockdown Bengals fantasy league during the season? If so, can I join? I think we should put a poll out and see how many people want to play and how many leagues we're going to have to manage cuz here's what we're going to do is is if it, depending on the number of people we'll put it together the way the Europeans do football and we'll have divisions and we'll move the top 10 teams up the bottom 10 teams down because ah. obviously we're going to do this for our whole lives and there's longevity forever. to it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I think that'd be fun. I think that'd be really cool. It's something that Joe and I will have to think about how we want to put into practice, and I think that'd yeah. be a fun way to fun way to spend the season with our listeners. And if you guys have any tips on it or suggestions, we're open because I I originally said to Jake, "What thirty two team league?" You know, and he he scoffed at that because think of uh, losing your Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterback because you pick twentieth or twenty eighth, I should say. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't be ideal. So. Um, if anyone's played in a big league or managed a big league or done anything like this or, or just is interested in the idea, I, I'm open to it. I think it would definitely be multiple leagues and, and maybe Joe and I play in separate leagues or maybe, I don't know, I'm not going to play in more than one or two myself. I, I actually enjoy football a lot more when there's no fantasy football involved, just personally. Oh, really? It's, it's, much, it's less stressful, you know? It's I like just it. like I just watch football for football then and then it's just fun. Instead of whining about, throw it to Jordy Nelson. <laughs> that, that was a common refrain for me over my fantasy football playing years. So we'll think about it, Nick. I think that's a good idea. Tyler has our next question. At that Tyler Crow, do you guys think running backs can be overvalued in fantasy football? Staying on the fantasy football thread. Joe, what's your running back drafting strategy? Honestly, I in my main league that I play in, um, it is a full point per reception. But the thing is, we can't use a running back for the flex position. So it creates a – everyone ends up with a good third back. So the pressure to get a top two guy isn't really there. And I, I will, I'll take one, of course. But uh, if there's a similar receiver or a similar ranked quarterback as you get into the third round or so, I will go in that range because – we our league isn't top heavy on running back so if, if your league is like that or even some that are half point per reception i think that devalues running backs again the thing is also there's really not those guys that are getting and you still get a todd Gurley and then guys like that and it looks like saquon barkley could be up there and, and be that kind of guy where they just lean on him and feed him but the 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 early 2000s mid in like 2005 to 2010 i really felt like it was a running back league in fantasy where you got the top eight guys and you could ride them because they're getting 70 catches they're carrying it 300 times and multiple you know they're 14 1500 yards was expected from those guys 15 touchdowns wasn't wasn't crazy to expect and i don't think we see that anymore i think if a guy clips eclipses a thousand yards we're like yay he had a good year uh so i think it's just the talent of around the league where everyone's using at least two backs and it kind of has diminished the value of the running back in fantasy Unless you're Christian McCaffrey, sure. Yeah. I think I think that your your evaluation of the running back position just needs to change based on the league you're in. Guys like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey become your running back one too. David yep. Johnson, if he's healthy, Saquon uh, Barkley is going to be up there. Yeah, I think Saquon Barkley was a really good point. I am the type of fantasy football player who likes to dominate the wide receiver position. I will go four or five deep a wide receiver and find guys that give me average points at running back. Uh, average plus quarterback usually I feel like quarterback is easy enough to stream depending on how big your league is you find the matchups you want I'm not the guy in your league who's drafting a kicker in a defense in fact I prefer individual defensive players but I also understand if you don't because it's a lot to manage and it's really hard if you've never done it before to figure out what the heck's important for an individual defensive player so I usually stream defense though yeah, always stream defense. and, and you just, I won't even spend a pick on it. I don't even spend a waiver claim on it most weeks. Usually you can find the matchups that you like. And unless it's a really competitive league, then maybe it's worth trying to get a defense that you feel good about as a backup. But you just don't have enough roster spots to keep a defense that you're not playing every week. So that's, that's right. why I don't like to draft a defense is because 
Well, then what do you do when they have a bye? You, you can't right. ca- you can't carry a defense on a bye week, especially if it's a heavy bye week, week seven, week eight. I'm with you. I yeah, so I'm not a guy that's drafting running backs early. I do think that they are generally overdrafted, and the more that people optimize fantasy football drafting strategies, the more you see stuff like reverse drafting, zero running backs, zero quarterbacks, all these different drafting approaches that try to be more optimal and and most of the ones that try to gain the system aren't picking running back early and here's the thing for me one point i wanted to make on it uh that i just remembered i think the the amount of loss you take when a running back gets hurt is so far significant than any other position because i think the the backup a lot of times comes in and steps in and produces at a similar level for most teams in the league. And usually that backup, if you got a good team, you're not getting that guy in the waiver claim, right? You're dropping from uh, Joe Mixon uh, and who may have been a top second round pick for you. And Giovanni Bernard's not even on a roster and you're, you're not, you're not even in position to claim Gio and Gio goes against the Falcons as 130 yards in a great game. You get no benefit out of that. Whereas if you lose a receiver, you can flex things around, you can move things around, and I always feel like I can get a late bloomer or someone that's going to emerge in the second half of the year. And it's usually like those those rookie or second year receivers that are st- that go don't get drafted or their last two rounds, and you put them on the back of your um, uh, of your roster just to see if they'll bloom towards the second half of the year. And I I feel confident that I can usually hit those guys. So I don't losing a, a top end receiver to me isn't that big of an impact. Yeah, as long as they play for the Saints or the Patriots. Sure. Plug them in late year. That's All right, I got the next. Yeah. It's from Dean at DD Merritt. Are you confident that with a, with a competent coaching staff that the best of draft Twitter could win a playoff game and or produce two all-pro players in if given four years of building rosters, starting with the Bengals in 2017? I think that four years is a little narrow. I think that getting to the all pro level. Well, okay. So I think four years is maybe narrow for all pro unless you're drafting in the top five, because finding all pro players, there's two of them, right? For some positions, one of them at most positions, two of them at some positions. It's very, very hard to find all pro players. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, Could we, could we win a playoff game in four years, starting with the Bengals 2017 roster? Uh, That means we're picking top, Ten two years in a row. You you picked ninth. Would draft Twitter have taken John Ross, or no. would they have taken Mahomes. Mahomes and Watson? Would they have taken it would have been, it would have someone else, Ryan Ramsick, OJ Howard, whoever the maybe, maybe Howard, probably Watson. Right. Yeah, right. I do think. Yeah, I, I Mahomes was thought of a little little lower. I, yeah. It was at the time at the at the draft, if you remember and yeah. are honest about it. Watson Mahomes were thought to go in the twenties and maybe even early second. But people, what people did have. Oh, there was a lot of quarterback because outside of Cincinnati, everyone was like, Andy Dalton, you know, there's these tier lists going around. Andy Dalton's in the trash tier quarterbacks. Apparently that's ridiculous, but that's the perception around the world. So draft Twitter includes the world. And I think, I think that, you know, maybe would have taken a quarterback there. And if they, I mean, I think either Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes already won a playoff game, could win a playoff game in four years with the talent on the Bengals roster right now. So yes. I am confident that with the competent coaching staff that the best of draft Twitter could win a playoff game if given four years. There's people that have done studies and looked at the – take a Reef Hassan's consensus board. Um, and there's also been others that have looked back and said, well, based on rankings and who was you know, best available at the time, this is how the draft – and we did this sort of for our own sake, right, when we used our boards and looked at – previous years and redrafted for the Bengals in 2014 and 2015 but on a more national level without a team attacher people that have done this and said well this is how an average draft would have turned out uh and it sometimes it ends up better than the team a lot of times what you find out is it's right mixed in almost 50 50 teams are are right in the middle and maybe one analyst is near the top but the consensus is near the middle also you would probably get similar results to the average team whether that means you hit some you lose some for me to to look at it honestly, it would probably be dependent on who that coach is and who that quarterback is. Yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to if you get a quarterback in the four years because if you're using the Bengals roster, there's a foundation there that if you yeah. get a, if you hit on a couple key spots, 
Well, may, may, four years, that's a long time for, and, and you see a lot of the draft Twitter guys eventually go on to get jobs on teams. If we're talking about the top oh, yeah. draft Twitter guys or their, or their ex NFL scouts. So yeah, I think, I think they could do it. Yeah, I do too. I think it, the hardest part, and I did this when I was, we, we've mentioned the, the podcast I did with Josh Norris and those guys uh, for Roto World uh, a couple months ago, about a month ago. It's hard to get when you've got four or five guys that all feel confident in their evaluations to agree on 10 players on the, for the top of the board. And I can't even imagine trying to build 150 players on a board. Well, it's and your get, full-time job then. Sure. But still, if you and I are going to disagree on people, even though we have all the information data and, and tape, and we even if we debate it for 35 days in a row we still may get to that 35th day and say you know i still don't think this guy should be above this guy yeah that's why you have a tiebreaker and that's your gm you're right and it's when the, that's the gm's job so i guess when we think of draft twitter as a whole in my mind i was thinking of like almost take the consensus and just go with it no i don't think you take the consensus i think you take the top 15 guys and you put them in scouting and and personnel jobs and you treat it like an nfl team would i think they could get it done and all right, but then one of them has to be the GM make the final decisions. Exactly. A lot of it's going to hang on that guy. And, making and that's that final. Lewis Riddick. Okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know, man. Our next question comes from Stephen Urschwender. Is that right? MSJ I was going to say Einhorn. Einhorn is definitely not Einhorn. Finkel is Einhorn. Will you do a recap? A re- <laughs> <laughs> Will you do a redraft picking in the Bengals slots? I'm cur- curious who you'd pick instead of who the Bengals picked. No trades, just picking from who was available when they pick. Can't take the Bengals picks later in the draft either. So I think we've heard this question from a couple people. And I think Steven has, has sent it a couple times. That's why I, I put it in here on the list, because I will answer, yes, we will do this. But I think it's going to be done on a separate day where we can spend 20 minutes or so talking about it and going through the process. Right, Jake? What do you think next week? Yeah, I think it's going to be a full day. It'll be a whole event. Some people will hate it. If you go to read Reddit, people don't like it when we talk about the past. They just want us to talk about how Drew Sample is going to be the best tight end in the history no, of the Cincinnati that's goddamn not what Bengals. I took out of that. There was some good, um, good. They want me to yell Reddit. touchdown. If you guys, if I'm animated. On, yes, he is. If you guys are on Reddit <laughs> and you were uh, part of that feedback on that on that um, that page, uh, you know what I'm talking about. That thread, uh, then. I appreciate the feedback. I thought it was very good and, and balanced, even if some people think uh, Jake sounds like paint drying. I think it's just one guy. But, oh, I'm sorry. One guy. That one guy that said it. I'll choose to believe it's one guy, even if there are multiple of you. I don't care what you think. <laughs> We're going to take a now, break, Joe. What, now what's Jake's a... upset. I'm not upset. I don't care what you think. I, I mean, I care that you listen, but about me right. personally, I, I, I hope you enjoy the product. Joe, we have another sponsor to talk about, and then we need to take a break. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Guys, if you want to know if this stuff works, I popped one today, did 20 push-ups, no arms. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hope you guys like those ads. And our next question is from Aaron Parker. I think it's M-E-M Bengal. He's been a long time interacting person on Twitter, and I feel bad that I don't know if it's Mem Bengal. I want to say Meme Bengal, but I know that's not spelled right. Anyways, I'm rambling. The question is, with regard to Drew Sample, 
Is there anything you will be curious to read or hear from observers at any of the mini camps or training camp that will clue you into whether he is indeed as much as a receiving threat as the club clearly thinks he can be? I don't know if the club clearly thinks he is going to be a major receiving threat. They might just think, and they use this word, so I'll quote them, that he will be an adequate receiver right, and a plus-plus blocker. But yeah, some people, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said they went back and watched him and didn't even think he was that good of a blocker, which is probably crazy at this point. I think he is a good blocker. I think that translating to the NFL, there's a learning curve, especially for tight ends. There's a lot of intricacies to that position. But what I'll be interested to hear or read is, is he making splash plays? Is he mm. getting big separation? Is he making, you know, flashy catches? These are all things that weren't a big part of his game at Washington. And if he starts to do them in training camp against NFL fringe, if not NFL level competition, then you start to pay a little bit more attention to his receiving ability. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, and I'll take the opposite approach. If we don't hear those things, it doesn't mean he's a bust right away because we've said this plenty of times. We talked about the tight end position a lot this year. And when do you take one? How big is the need? What kind of tight end do you need? Well, we found out they thought the need was very big. The kind of guy they wanted was a wide tight end. And how early was the second round? So even with all that, it may take two years before he has a positive impact. And that even includes as a run blocker. If you go back and look at even a lot of guys that, oh, this guy's a really good run blocking tight end. And, and while they normally get drafted later, so maybe they won't have the same opportunities to be out there and, and, and grow and develop on the fly. If Drew Sample is thrusted in there as, as they lead blocking type tight end, uh, then maybe he can develop quicker. But normally it takes about two years for that. And for a guy that has almost no receiving production, we should probably expect that to maybe be year three for that. And it's not uncommon for tight ends to be slow learners. They have a lot to learn. It's not just – it's one of the most technical positions, I think. It's because of being a blocker, because of being a route runner and receiver, you have as much on your plate as almost any position outside of quarterback. They line up on more places on the field than almost any other position. Yep. They can be in the backfield. They can be attached to your line. They can be split out wide. They can be in the slot. So there's a lot they, going on. They all have to get stronger. We say this with every rookie, right? But tight ends more than any. And, yeah. and they're strong coming in. But, man, these guys are normally 250. They're going to end up 260 and 260 plus. I mean, and even, uh, even guys like Njoku or, yep. you know, Vernon, Vernon Davis coming in looking like freaks, like looking like they're shredded out of their mind, they, they, they get stronger. They, and they take a couple years in doing so. So mm-hmm. we should have low expectations, not because of our pre-draft um, idea of sample, but – because he's a tight end. But if you do start to hear about some of those flashes, then maybe you feel a little bit optimistic yeah, about yeah. About the potential, right? And then, oh, maybe he is this type of receiver. He just didn't get the chances. All right. Tyler Lindsay's back with another question. Welcome back, Tyler. Thanks for your patronage. Is that the right word? I don't care. To follow up on my question from last week, if you had the infinity gauntlet and had the opportunity to snap back five past Bengals players to the roster in their prime, which five would they be? This is a great question, to be honest. Uh, I didn't so much like the last one of snapping away other players, and even though we picked Steelers. But snapping back, if you've seen Endgame, they bring them back, right? So, spoiler, I'm sorry, that goes first. Anyways, so we're going to bring back five past Bengals. So really, who could help this team? Ah, I know. Let me get Willie Anderson for one. Here's the thing. Where's the cutoff line for era? Because is Kenny Anderson viable for today's football? I think Kenny Anderson's probably still good in today's NFL. He'd figure it out. Yeah, I think he would. And is he the – well, would Boomer be better? You know, I'm trying to think of this for the era-wise because I I do think there is some of – he was the first of, and I'm talking about Kenny Anderson here, first of really uh, an, a successful West Coast offense. Really never seen anything like that before, and maybe his numbers were overinflated because of that. And I know I'm blasphemous, right? He should be in the Hall of Fame. I definitely believe that. But uh, I just wonder if it would be as successful now. So I, I don't know if even, like, I even think this way with Anthony Munoz a little bit, right? Like, he'd probably still be really good, but would he be the best left tackle of all time in today's league? And maybe not, but he'd probably still be really good. So I let think me get pass Munoz. rushers were, were still really good then. I think that they're, they're maybe a little bit more athletic now. But, I mean, Lawrence Taylor, is, he, he's been around forever. Reggie White, anyway, continue. I think technique has grown so much for offensive yeah, but, line. Remember but back but in so the day where they were blocking with their Munoz. elbows out? Remember and, with their, and their, their arms in, elbows out, blocking? 
But but Munoz would would adapt. No, he played right. He he played in a in a later phase than that where actually they actually did use their hands a little bit more. But I think it's grown so much. But I'd still take him because I do think athlete athlete wise, size wise, and even if he was two eighty or something, right? Um, they, I think he'd figure it out. It's gonna be Willie Anderson and Anthony Munoz. And I'd love to say, can I snap back Justin Smith? Because I think he'd be a perfect guy to kick inside and, and, and play that that role we've talked about a lot with that, that third defensive end and rushing the passer from the inside next to Atkins. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, Jake, what do you have while I think of my last two? I'm with you on the tackles for sure. Munoz and Willie Anderson all day. I mean, I think those two belong in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, one of them's there, but I think Willie... I think he's been criminally underappreciated for forever. He should be in the Hall of Fame, I think, as a right tackle. I think easy. I've I've gone over his accomplishments before, and all the thousand yard rushers he's thrown, he's he's blocked for thousand yard receivers that he's blocked for quarterbacks that have had their best years, and it's not just Carson Palmer, but I mean like Jeff Blake best years, uh, John Kitna best years, Steve McNair uh, I believe was still with the no it wasn't who was the quarterback for the Ravens. Oh, I can't remember now. It was Flacco at the end. I'm sorry. I was thinking of somebody else. Um, and just Flacco's best year, and they won the you know they AFC Championship. I think it was that year. Willie was there, but he's had a lot of success, and and it he was maybe the best. He probably was the best right tackle for a long stretch of his career. Oh yeah, and just underappreciated the whole time, all the way even till the end of his career in Baltimore when he was still elite playing right tackle as as a thirty something year old. Yeah, uh, crazy. I have a really hard time picking the quarterback, too, between Boomer, Anderson, and even Carson Palmer because Carson right. Palmer's prime is ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's really, really good. I mean, yep. we're talking pre-ACL. And, and we know it works in this era. Yeah. Which uh, is key, I think. And then I think for me, Takeo Spikes is on the list. I think he is, you know, what like like we said, he's one of the few all-pro linebackers in in the Bengals history if not the only I'm not even sure if they have more than him and it wasn't when he was with them I think that was with Buffalo oh was uh, it or with Philly I can't he's had a long career never made a playoff game would you take Corey Dillon I know I thought about that also like a running back in his prime that's pretty fun but I think Joe Mixon might be more dynamic is that crazy to say it's and no we've talked about this having a one-two would be awesome with those two but um, how often would I actually get Corey into the game other than about, that he's really also good? Would you take Chad back? Would you take Tony McGee? Tony McGee? No. Who's the best tight end? Bob Trumpy? Trumpy's up there too, yeah. I was thinking uh, Lamar Parrish and Ken Riley, obviously. Yeah. I think we could upgrade at corner. I think Leon Hall and Jonathan Joseph should be talked about. Joseph's still playing, so am I snapping anyone back or am I just snapping them back into his prime? Back to the team in their prime? I think Chad's got to be on the list, man. Just to round out the receiving core, he's an he Ch- Chad Johnson in this receiver core in his prime. Like you, you could throw every ball in one and a half seconds because you know who's going to be open pre-snap. If it's AJ Green, Tyler Eifer, Chad Johnson, and and Tyler Boyd, you're going to know which one coach? of those. Yeah, which coach? I mean, would you bring back Paul Brown, or would you say? I mean, can wait? Hang on a second. We could say Bill Walsh, can't we? Is it is it Bill Walsh? Is it is it Paul Brown? Is it Sam Weish? Is it Sam Weish? Who is it? Can I snap back all three and have a have a coaching yeah, staff that's to dream go. of? So the two tackles and the three coaches. Right. Let's go. I think we got a chance. All right, we did it. We optimized the question. There we go. The next question is also from Tyler Lindsay, and he asks: Have the Bengals put themselves in a situation where they have to re-sign AJ Green or Tyler Boyd? Assuming Ross or any of the other receiver doesn't make the next step, I believe the team, the team's hands are tied since they won't have much success in bringing in free agents, and it seems to take rookies two to three years to develop. I think they certainly need to re-sign one of them, and I yes. think they still would like to re-sign both of them despite reports coming out recently that Green is saying, it's a business, I'm not sure what's going to happen, I'm not sure about my future. I think everyone would like to see AJ Green retire Bengal. We've talked about that on this podcast. Whether or not that's the wisest decision and the best use of cap funds is a question. But as Andre Parada told us when he was on the podcast about a month ago now, probably, yeah. uh, the cap's an illusion. It's, you know, just pay the players if you want them on your team. So yeah. 
I don't know. I think they have to bring back one for sure. I don't know if they have to bring back both, but I think if they lose one, well, now we're back to having to draft one. Yeah, and it's, a lot of that hinges on the next step. I think hinges on John Ross in 2019. If and he to shows a much lesser extent, maybe Josh Malone, if if he sure. can come out of nowhere. Yeah, right. You've got some guys there that if they emerge into anything, even that it, uh, it's a stable number three type of receiver you feel much better about the position. And if that means you, you extended Boyd in this offseason and it's Boyd and a capable Ross, well, you're like, okay, it doesn't have to be the worst thing to lose A.J. Green, even though we'd all like to see Green here and successful in playing for this team, I think. I think we'd all love to see that. Uh, but you could survive and manage and, and come out on top or come out in a, in a decent situation at that position if that happens. Well, if it doesn't, right? I was going to say the other thing, thing is, Maybe they're rebuilding after this year. So if Zach Taylor comes in and decides, you know what, this isn't the team that's going to do it. We need to get a new quarterback. Then, then you're looking at a two-year window anyway. And then you, then the way they drafted. Is that when you trade Green at the trade deadline, like a Demarius Thomas type, Golden Tate type thing? Yeah, and you get what a fifth-round pick. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, I think at that point though is when you. They, they've set themselves up where I was going with this is they've set themselves up to draft skill players in the future years. Mm-hmm. This draft was run blocking tight end, two offensive linemen, linebacker. So, yeah. you know, they're probably going to need a corner again at some point in the nearish future and maybe a defensive lineman here or there, but they've set themselves up to draft skill positions on the offensive side of the ball in the near future too. And that can be a good thing, right? I mean, uh, it, it, it could be if you're in a rebuild mode, if that if that happens, you could be sitting here saying, well, you know, let's get our skill positions and our quarterback. If, you know, if we're in a rebuild, let's say here, guys, let's not get too deep in the quarterback conversation right now. But point being, you may want to bring all those guys along together. And now you've got the big uglies up front on both sides and you feel much better about that. And because you I think a lot of people agree you don't want to build from the outside in skill position wise corners. And the Bengals have done that for a long time. And it's maybe why they're not able to get over the hump or be as as nasty as we would like them to be. I don't know if people argue that as much on the defensive side of the ball as they do on the offensive side of the ball, but I think it is true, and this goes back to the conversation with Mike, that the closer you are are to the ball, the the more immediate impact you can make on more plays. Yeah, and I like that. I I like that argument from Mike Renner. Mm -hmm. Our next question comes from Nuggets, 3-2. and This is a Denver Nuggets fan at Canada XX Goose X. Is he Canadian? Stayed with the Nuggets. Does he like Canadian geese or does he like gray goose? Mm, gray goose. Questions of no, life. What do I'm the zoomed Bengals... into his picture. It's gray goose. <laughs> what do the Bengals do this offseason if Dalton is 2015 Dalton but gets hurt in the season for the third time? And that's kind of what happened with 2015 Dalton too. So that's interesting to say. I, I like this question because we've said, uh, yeah, if he plays like 2015, you could have – we could both see them offering an extension, a decent deal for Andy Dalton. Uh, but if he does get hurt again, and let's say it's a hand or thumb again, I would be concerned. And I think the team would probably have concerns. We've seen them, the way they've treated guys that have been injured, or and they kind of let them test the market a little bit more. And they're, it's quarterback, though, so maybe all that goes out of the window. I, I think it would have an effect if he got hurt again in, in 2019. I don't know what they would do if he got hurt again. That would be his third thumb yeah. injury if it's a thumb again. I, I just I got stuck on that. And I mean, I'm not sure that Taylor is we've talked about this. He's he's definitely committed to Dalton this year, but it's his first team. I think he wants to establish a foundation, but it's still a new coach and we're still expecting this roster turn to happen that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Right? I mean right. it really hasn't happened yet. And it may not happen. They may just keep the, you know, if they fail Maybe this year, not. I think then you definitely see it, right? If yeah. if they can't get off the ground, then he, he goes, you really put your foot down of, I need my guys, I need my players, and then you gain more control that way, which I could definitely see happening. I don't know why you say this guy's definitely into Grey Goose. All I know about this guy when I zoom in on his picture is that he loves voting. Voting? Voting. Well, voting. I love voting sticker. Because I was going to say, if you're boating and drinking Grey Goose, then I think that's that goes together, doesn't it? That's uh, the Vikings boat party in 2006 or whatever. No, that was a casino boat party. Do you remember the running back's name? 
What running back's name? Well, there's a big thing. Uh, that that whole Vikings team, he had the Wizenator. Remember, he went for the, the, the drug test and he had a fake penis in there? No. Yeah, to, to pee because they, sometimes they look at you when you're peeing. And, <laughs> yeah, anyways, that's the que- that's next question from Logie B. Joe, you got distracted. I know. That's my mind for you. That's a little taste <laughs> of how it goes. And this is more of a topic of discussion, I think, from Logie. But he says, have you guys put in a request for player interviews? He remembers James Rapine had locker room access, something he understands we cannot do. Uh, but the, the Huda UK guys get interview requests granted. And have we tried asking the Bengals? He also says we're the number one Bengals podcast. So, Jake, we have done that, haven't we? I think it's true that we are the number number one Bengals podcast. That's right. Thanks for asking, Logie. Have a good weekend. No, we have asked. Uh and I have not heard back from the Bengals media relations folks. And we will ask again. Maybe if we request specific players, we'll have more success. I reached out to just try to say, hey, this is who we are. This is the audience we reach. It would be great if we could establish a working relationship. I understand you don't give non-traditional media credentials, and I'm not going to fight for that. But you know, it would be great if we could work together to get some interviews done one of these days. And I haven't heard back from them. Uh, who day UK brothers, if you can tell us what you've done to get those interview requests granted, we would appreciate the tips. I think, uh, that'd be fun. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do outside. I mean, maybe I could call somebody, but I I don't even know how to go about doing that either. So I don't know what to do outside of the email that I tried. Spam their agents. Agents. That's a good one. But, but I think that I think I, I, and so I asked a player's wife who I've talked to on Twitter before, and she said, "You know what? I I asked a player. He told me. He told you. He told me to tell you to talk to the team. So, do you think that's brushing us off, or you think that means go through the proper channels, and then we can do this? Uh, I don't know. So we're hoping for the best. We are, and we would love to get interviews done. Uh, we could also ask Cincy Jungle. I think they've had some players from time to time. I think they had Carl Lawson once. Uh, it's that would hard. Be great." It's hard as non-traditional media. It's hard as being outside of the market. And I think that I have no idea what the Bengals think of Joe and I. And that could be another obstacle for us. I want to get Alex Redmond on, though. He's, he kind of alluded to maybe uh, coming on and having a good time with us. You know, it's, the problem is for me also is I feel like a sellout anytime I ask for anything or even ask people to come on here. So, Joe, that's I, old school thinking. I know I have to put it to the side and say... Hey, you know, because there are Bengals fans that follow our Bengals fans. There are Bengals players that follow me, and I guess they see me tweeting. At this point, they probably understand that I can hold a conversation with them, hopefully, and maybe they would come on and and talk with us. Please, guys, if you're listening, they're not listening. They're not listening. <laughs> they might follow us on Twitter, and That's I think it. it's yeah. There's I think they probably joke about it. Like, like they're in the locker room. Look at this. You see what this guy said? He doesn't have a clue. I think that's more than likely. Probably. Anyway, that'll do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Sorry we missed today this week, everyone. This show was brought to you by Blue Chew and Abco Safety. You have discount codes for both of them. That's Locked On for Blue Chew and Locked On Abco for Abco. Get 15% off your first safety or safety-related purchase from Abco Safety and get some free Blue Chew, paying $5 for shipping. We'll be back next week doing much of the same, talking about the Bengals. Hope you have a good weekend, Bengals fans, and we'll see you next time.